Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency for the New Spectator USA website. I'm joined today by John Hudson, who is national security reporter at the Washington Post. And we're going to be asking what is happening with Trump and Iran. Now, John, it seems to me that the strategically or, or in terms of, sort of the imminent threat of war has receded a little bit in the last few days. But the rhetoric uh, seems to be getting more and more aggressive. Uh, I mean, Trump suggesting that American policy is afflicted by mental retardation and Trump being more and more bellicose about uh, what a big mistake it would be for, for Iran to underestimate him. Is that a fair reading of the, of the situation? Yeah, I think that's right. I think I think none of us should be too confident with where we are because it seems to change by the minute. I mean, just a few minutes ago, the president tweeted and he said that uh, he was very upset about the Iranians uh, response that came out overnight with the uh, apparent mental retardation line. And he said that if they did choose to respond uh, militarily, it would be obliteration. And yes. so as you're right that the rhetoric is reaching an uptick and it's becoming a lot more aggressive and pugnacious. But uh, it, what we do know is that he, you know, he was faced with the decision last week to uh, order a military strike on Iran and uh, he decided not to. So uh, that that's that's a fact. But now we have this escalation in rhetoric. We have this escalation in sanctions, sanctions imposed last night. And those brought about a response from Iran saying the door to diplomacy is closed. So even though we pulled away from the brink of a military confrontation, there, there's no way out at this point that anyone can see of how to de-escalate the situation. And uh, Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, went out to the UAE, I think, did he Did he not, on Monday, was it? And yeah, and Saudi Arabia. And Saudi Arabia. And, and it, it, it looks, my superficial reading of it is that it looks a little bit like he kind of almost went out there on a, on a slight apology tour to say, look, we'll still get tough with, we'll still get tough with Iran, we're not backtracking, and then... Sure enough, tough sanctions against the Supreme Leader are announced that afternoon. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is a lot of times when there is a potential military crisis, the president will send his diplomat into the region to try to de-escalate the situation. But of course, instead of meeting with countries that have sway with Iran, he's meeting with Iran's you know, arch rivals, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates. And his message wasn't, okay, how can we get closer to a diplomatic solution? It was, you know, we're going to coordinate, we're going to stay tough against Iran. But it also, he also came in almost with a a tin cup situation where he was saying, you know, the president is pretty frustrated about the notion that the United States has to be protecting this core thoroughfare in the, the Strait of Hormuz, in the Persian Gulf, where, of course, massive amounts of the world oil comes through every single day. And so uh, it was sort of a, a mixed message of, one, that we're going to stay tough on Iran, and two, by the way, we're sick of paying for all of these maritime security costs that go along with protecting this thoroughfare. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the Gulf countries and Asian countries need to start paying up. Right. So it's a, it's the same sort of NATO strategy from the Trump administration of, of you need to pay your fair share. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And I mean, there's been a lot of talk in recent days about whether Trump is a hawk or a dove. And I think he himself said, I'm a common sense guy. I'm neither a dove nor a hawk. I mean, what's your impression of the divide between Trump and his hawkish advisers? Is it as fractious as some people are perhaps hoping? Yeah, I mean, it is true that he has a very different ideological outlook than the national security advisor, John Bolton, and his secretary of state, Mike Pompeo. You know, he he does like to defy not, you know, being in a category that's binary, hawkish or dovish. But and it's absolutely true that Ambassador Bolton and Secretary Pompeo were pushing hard for this military strike. They thought that this would be the appropriate response for someone like Bolton, not reacting militarily is the sort of the high point of cowardice and failing to uphold America's credibility. You know, he, he spent years in the Obama era, very remorseful, very sad and cr- loudly criticizing the president anytime that he didn't act ferociously militarily against perceived U.S. enemies, obviously the, the Iran red line moment. And so so Trump slapped those guys down and said, wait a minute, I, I don't want to get embroiled in another Middle East conflict. But you can also tell that Trump doesn't want to invite comparisons to Obama when it came to the red line. And so you just saw in a, in a tweet a few minutes ago, he said, this is not the Obama administration. This is not the John Kerry era. If Iran provokes us, we will strike back ferociously. So he is trying to defy categorization. And this is kind of how we're seeing it play out in real time. Yes. And there seems to be, well, various schools of thought on this. One is that Trump is, you know, Tucker Carlson said that, um, uh, the Fox News host said that uh, it was Trump's finest moment, was that he resisted at this crucial moment, he resisted the pressure to strike Iran, even though all his closest advisors were urging him to. Another idea is the received wisdom that Trump is like a cushion that bears the impression of the last person that sat on him and that he's very, very (laughs) indecisive. And he's trying to sort of make himself sound decisive while while he can't actually make his mind. Which which do you think is is truer? Yeah, I mean, to some extent, he he does deserve credit when it comes to uh, this is very difficult to sit in a room of your top national security advisors and then push for military strike, especially when we're talking about a president that enjoys the reputation of machismo and say, you know, you're wrong and push back on them. You know, a lot has been made out of the uh, conversations, the reported conversations he's had with Tucker Carlson, who was was pushing back, you know, against the idea that we should get embroiled in another conflict with Iran. Yeah, I said Tucker should get a Nobel Peace Prize, but (laughs) I'm in the eccentric camp on this. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was it was clearly somebody who, who was giving counter messaging, yeah. and so that role shouldn't be discounted. But we we certainly don't know if that was the last impression. It likely it wasn't the last impression. But Tucker Carlson, an important voice here, also General Dunford, who was more skeptical uh, and and was more aware of the costs that a military intervention like this would bear, which is the fact that Iran has a lot of proxy forces in the Middle East who are capable at striking American targets, European targets. And so, you know, they're aware that this is something, a, a bit of a hornet's nest. Tell us a bit about General Dunford, because I think it was in your report that you related that, that Trump and him have a very good relationship. And in fact, it was it was he who asked, it was Trump asked Dunford 
about the casualties and and it's Dumford that came back with the figure of 150. Yeah. Yeah. So Trump has talked more favorably about Dunford in, in recent days and, and, and praised him. You'll never see Trump say, you know, pointing to somebody and, and sort of passing on credit to them for being the final decider. And his favorite thing is to say, you know, it doesn't matter. I have people on both sides, hawkish and dovish, and I like to make the final call. Dunford's role, I would like to know more about it. And we're still asking questions, trying to figure out where exactly he's coming from. But our sense is that it is reflective of what, how Pentagon officials, many senior Pentagon officials, are just viewing how vulnerable U.S. personnel would be to uh, either Hezbollah or other Iranian proxies who operate in close proximity, especially in Iraq, where we still have a substantial footprint. Uh, you know, things get hot and things escalate very quickly uh, in a situation like that. And no one's more aware of that than the Pentagon and General Dunford. And um, what does John Bolton think about that? I mean, presumably John Bolton is an intelligent enough man to think through the facts about what would happen to American forces in the region if there was a dramatic escalation with Iran. Does he just want escalation? Is he as mad as everybody thinks? Or, or is he thinking something else? It, you know, it, it's hard to understand because these are not views that he's able to explain in public. But he has said in his previous life that confrontation with Iran should be a goal of the United States government and regime change should be a goal. So with that sort of maximalist outlook, you're, you're in a sense always pining for more conflict and you believe it's actually the duty of the United States. And, and this stems from one, his view of American military power, that it's decisive and that it should always be used to set a, you know, the rules-based order and uh, and put the United States in a higher footing. But but he also is a profound supporter of the state of Israel and, 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 and has done many things that are embraced by the right wing of the Israeli government. And so Iran is viewed as something that should always be pushed back. And if a military conflict entangles the United States, that's it's not necessarily a bad thing in the viewpoint of John Bolton. Yeah. I, couldn't you say that John Bolton is still winning, as it were, on Iran? Because, I mean, although he didn't get the strike that he wanted, and a lot of people would say that was a great disappointment for him, the strategy of maximum pressure that he's pushed for in terms of sanctions, it, that's only intensifying. And, uh, I mean, Trump is doing everything short of a military strike. Absolutely. He he is winning to the extent that he's brought the United States and Iran closer to confrontation. He has been the biggest advocate of a maximum pressure campaign that has weakened Iran financially, another core goal of his. And the United States and Iran are no closer and no nearer to actually engaging diplomatically. The Iranians say that this is no way to establish a diplomatic channel by just simply throwing more sanctions on. So yes, Bolton would have preferred that the United States took a military strike at Iran, but there's still plenty of time for that. There's still a lot. The term's not over. So I'm, you know, he's obviously aware of that. And while it was a setback, he's still getting the policy that he wants. So when we hear people like Bolton, uh, Fred Flights and other very hawkish people in and around the administration saying that, of course, their objective is not war with Iran, nobody wants war with Iran, are they being disingenuous? 
Well, they also have a different interpretation of war than some others might have. So a lot of people believe, you know, for instance, a, an attack on Iranian soil, can, you know, that constitutes an act of war. If you were to hit a base that was responsible for launching the attack on the U.S. drone, that would be an act of war, and Iran would probably respond militarily and uh, you know, things would escalate from there. There are many people that I've talked to in the administration that really don't like it when they saw headlines about, you know, question mark war with Iran, because their view is, oh, you know, if we do a few standoff strikes with cruise missiles, like it, that's not a war. You know, that's, you know, that's shooting stuff at somebody else from afar. Um, <laughs> and so and that, um, that always know, goes great, doesn't it? <laughs> It, 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 and that's where that's another you know it, it seems to be a, a strong difference between Bolton and Trump because Bolton is thinking you know people actually die you know 150 people might die in this situation yeah. um, and that's just not a view that seems to be at the forefront of people uh, such as Bolton or a number of other officials who I've talked to have described uh, just discomfort in the idea that this is war this is you know standoff military strikes they, they you like to use different words. Obviously, they know how unpopular the idea of war is uh, to Americans who have watched the U.S. government be involved in Afghanistan and Iraq for years upon years with, with no ending. And, and Trump also might see it a little bit in that way. And, that, you know, the, the only time I can remember him getting great headlines on CNN was when he launched missile strikes on Syria. And I think he now talks about that and certainly his team talk about that as a time when he was decisive and he did something tough. You know, that was a time where he, he did just throw a few, I would say, fairly pointless missiles. And everybody said that was a very tough and good thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's why a lot of people have taught Ben to, when stressing, I think it's important to stress that taking a few shots at at Syria, a country mired in, in civil war, which is basically unable to defend itself against outside countries because it's so embroiled in its own internal conflicts, is very different than striking out at, at Iran, which has you know control of a lot of forces around the Middle East that can do things. Doesn't have perfect control, which actually makes them even more dangerous because that creates the possibility for mistakes, miscalculation. In, in, in a larger conflict. So uh, you're absolutely right that, you know, cable news in the United States has a sort of reputation for taking moments where the United States uses military force and glamorizing it and creating like some, in some ways, you know, even sort of uh, intoxicating charm to it for an American president. But, you know, th it is important to stress that this is not Syria. Well, and, and hopefully Trump <laughs> understands that too. But I mean, we, 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 I was just discussing it with some other people and we came up with this idea that, you know, everybody talks about the Trump reality TV presidency. And at the moment, TV executives are talking about the Trump slump, which is that Trump is not engaging with a TV audience or even his own Twitter audience, anything like as effectively as he was before. And that possibly people are just a bit bored of Trump. And that the Iran drama is just a sort of exciting episode in the Donald Trump show that he wants to put on. But of course, he doesn't actually want to create a world war. He just wants the, the drama and the narrative. Is that a ridiculous theory? I mean, it, it's, I suppose it's as good as, as any. I mean, it, <laughs> it's hard to estimate where where things are going and, and how the president comes up with 
how he wants to act. There's, there's certainly some fears that, you know, when you do have slagging poll numbers and the president is has his eye on re-election, there's a lot of questions about what, what uh, does that does that change his calculus for when it comes to thinking about military action or not? Or does it make him even more dovish with in embracing his instincts? I, I don't think anybody can really know, but it's a good question. Well, it certainly seems to be the only thing holding him back sometimes is is that he, he's been told, not just by Tucker Carlson, but I think even some of his circle who are quite hawkish, that it would be a major problem in terms of re-election if uh, he would start a major conflict. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the real question is just like what happens in those moments of pressure in the days leading up to the campaign when, you know, not acting militarily, does that create a boost or does acting militarily create a boost? I mean, nobody knows the answers to these questions. And so uh, it's kind of impossible to know where he might go. John, I think we'll end it there. But thank you very much for joining us. Okay, great to be with you, Freddie. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. Thank you.